Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Bon Raisinen of Trivec. And Bon initially started with Trivec in 2001 when the company was started. And then he had a few year break when he moved abroad. He started back with the company again full time in September of 2010 and has been with the company ever since. His position as president includes being responsible for the overall strategic planning and direction of the company establishing systems within the company and ensuring that all aspects of the business are functioning successfully so that the company is able to continue to provide a wonderful work environment for its employees, provide wonderful products and services for their clients, and maintain profits for the shareholders. Now for my conversation with Vaughn of Trebek. Hey, Vaughn, welcome to the show. Well, I thank you, Spencer. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into things, but give people some context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you located? So I'm Von Reisenen. I'm with Trebek Remodeling and Roofing. I'm located in Scottsdale, Arizona. And predominantly, we've been a design build remodeling company. In the last two years, we have added a real estate company as well as two roofing companies oh, to wow. what we're doing. Right on. Cool. Well, we'll we'll get into to that evolution soon, but I guess where did it all start? You know, how did the the company start and what year was that? Yeah, so I guess our foray into business. So my dad is a businessman. He started a business back I believe in the 70s in Minnesota, and that company was a painting company, hmm. and it's still in operation today. And it's oh, being wow. operated by a couple of my cousins. And so anyway, so that in itself is exciting. He moved to Arizona with 10 kids. He started a, at that point, it was just a roofing company with a partner here in Phoenix, Arizona, and grew that company to roughly around 100 employees in about 10 years and then sold it. Wow. Four or five years after that, we started Trebek. And my dad is a founder in the company. He wasn't really working in the company. But he provided the startup funds, and because of that, he had founder shares in the company. His goal or purpose was to basically help us establish a family company hmm. where some of myself and my siblings, we cannot be operating a business. And, and for us, it was really, really exciting. We had kind of a slow start. We started five days before September 11 happened. And so we had to get creative on how to, I, I guess, get projects. And I think after about six months to eight months, we actually, we started doing water features and they were koi ponds and waterfalls. And it was just kind of a unique way to get our foot in the door. And then from that, we would do remodels and painting and miscellaneous renovations. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. Well, well, I definitely want to hear about the early years of that, but I feel like we should definitely dive into the dad started this company in 10 years, took it to a hundred people. Like, did he have a business background? Like that's pretty fast growth, I would say for most, most journeys. Why do you think that was, I guess? Well, that's a great question. I know that he, his business partner was involved in several other businesses over the years. And so he had kind of a vast experience. And I believe his business partner was able to help fund some some of their growth. And some of their growth came through some acquisitions. Mm. So they bought other companies that were, I don't know if they were equal size or roughly equal size. You know, and when you buy a company that's roughly around the same size as you are, you double. You double, yeah. (laughs) There's there's some challenges with that. You know, one of his experiences was, you know, they had these two companies and they hired general managers for both of them. And and then things went downhill. And so they actually had to get back involved and stay involved at a pretty you know, intentional level in order for, to be able to keep that co- the company going the way they wanted it to. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they had, I think, a simplified message, a simplified branding. They, you know, they had a lot of vehicles. They signed everything and they got it. You know, I mean, I think the marketplace knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that helped. And it seemed like most people in the industry, they wanted to go work for that company and they wanted to be, be a part of it. So the that's company cool. culture was really, really strong. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I'm also fascinated by this idea. It sounds like he, after the sale and the transition into what you guys are doing now, he started or wanted to start this as a family like enterprise. I guess, can you share a little bit more about that? Just why that was so important and, and then why you guys thought it was exciting and, and wanted to get behind it? Most of us in our family, well, not most of us, uh, several of us in the family were wanting to be involved in business in one shape or form. And we had been involved in business. So the name Travec comes from Trades Unlimited and Sunbeck. Hmm. Well, my brother had a business called Trades Unlimited with my uncle Warren, which ironically we bought almost two years ago. And Sunvik was my dad's company. And so we just kind of put the two words together. My sister was heavily involved in Sunvik. And so she came on and she was kind of putting together all the systems and the processes and all that here in Trebek. She was also involved in Trades Unlimited. Hmm. And so several of us had shifted over and just built a new company from scratch using the experiences of my dad, my brother, my sister, and then you know, some of the grunt work from us and some of the others. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. So at this point, how many family members are involved in, in Trebek? So at one point we had eight shareholders and now we have four shareholders. So my mom and dad own a good portion of the company and my wife and I own, well, actually we're 50, 50. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. I've got a lot of family in business and there's been a lot of like intermingling, you know, whether it's, you know, siblings or aunts and uncles and, you know, like grandparents. And so I've seen a lot of those dynamics. We won't spend forever on it, but I'm I'm curious, maybe what are, what are some of the challenging parts of operating with family and then maybe the rewarding parts? Uh, Sure. So some of the challenging parts, I think, is making sure that, okay, so we, we look at business as business. There's the ownership group, and then there's the, the roles and the responsibilities within the company. And when somebody has, let's say, a job title, they should be wearing that job hat. And we have, I think, done actually a very, very good job 
of ensuring that happens, that when we're walking through the halls of the company, we're not wearing our owner's hat, we're wearing our role, that whatever role we're happened to be fulfilling at the time, we're wearing that hat. There are times that it gets a little bit cloudy, you know, but I think we've done a, a really good job of resetting that and then being able to move forward again. Over the years, some of our my family members, you know, they've become interested in other things. And so they've, you know, shifted out of the company. I think that's been okay. You know, there's been some buyouts, which which is a good thing. In 2010, you know, obviously the company was struggling a bit. There was a downturn. And I actually got into the driver's seat, I think in around 2012. And we had to make some significant changes in order to be able to keep the company healthy. And with that, I will say there's probably some force changes in that transition, but they're very important for the company. And so my brother, Todd, he was actually managing the company at that point, and he shifted into sales. And he has a very, very strong sales background and a very strong ability to sell. And so it's, it was a blessing for us you know, that he was willing and able to jump into the sales arena and go and drive, drive the design and sales that we needed as a company in order to be able to keep, keep moving forward. My mantra is, this is where we're at. This is where we want to go. How do we get there? And that's been my focus. And I don't really get hung up too much on the past. And I will say, for the most part, I think we've all been able to go to Thanksgiving dinners or Christmas celebrations just fine. And we're able to leave leave business at business and, and family at family. So. Yeah, that's cool. And I like the concept of the hat thing. I heard somebody mention that to me in a different context, more like you drive into the garage, you park, you put on your dad hat, like, you know, kind of leave work and like go into dad mode. And I think you can apply that in lots of different scenarios and and it's helpful, right? It's just like a mental state to, to get into. So I will say though, my dad, I mean, when we started the company, we had monthly meetings with all the shareholders. So there's a bunch of my siblings, my mom, dad in the room. And that was actually good. We'd go over the financials. And I, I will say, I didn't truly understand the financials to the level that I probably was acting like I understood at that time. And I think for me, it got really serious in 2010, 2011, 2012. And I had already moved abroad. I was living in Finland for three and a half years. And I would get statements there. And I truly started to study the financial components of business. And so once I got back and once I actually got in the driver's seat, it became real for me. And I wish I would have maybe taken the time and energy to truly learn that back in 2001 or 2002, because I think it could have helped us, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were busy working on, on the things we were working on. So yeah. Yeah. Hindsight's always 2020, right. You know, and when, when you're in it, you use the information you have and you don't have the, the perspective of the past. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you, you went abroad, but then you came back and that was kind of when you, I guess, came into the driver's seat. Where, where was the company? What did it look like then? And then maybe talk about the next year or two after that, where were you guys trying to go? So the company experienced actually pretty rapid growth. So from 2001 to, I, I think it was around 2007, I don't know, we probably got to about three three $3.6 million. And then, then we dropped almost in half with the downturn. Mm, yeah, and and then we were, I, I guess, for lack of better terms, we were hemorrhaging cash, and that's when it became serious or real. We had to go and get money a couple of times 
And after a couple of times of going to get money, that's where I, I, I realized that we have to make changes. And, and I probably put my foot down on what I felt needed to happen in order to be able to, I guess, either become a change agent or have a change or agent in place for the company and be able to take us from there to maybe where we wanted to go as time moved forward. That probably was a challenging time, added a little bit of conflict with the relationships for those that were involved, but it was absolutely necessary for the company. And I always had this saying, you know, we always have to do what's best for the company. And if we take care of the company, the company will take care of the people. And sometimes we just had to take ourselves out of that and look at truly what's best, best for the business. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Talk to me about more current, like what kinds of projects are you guys focused on? And then I'm curious, like why you guys decided to add on the real estate and roofing divisions. 2012 to 2019, we had some really good rapid growth and that was predominantly in remodeling. And at that point, I realized, you know, with the last downturn, you know, all we were doing was remodeling. And so I just thought remodeling, we're like a tower. And if something happens to the remodeling industry, that tower can topple. And so I thought, you know, if we can start to add other components to the business, it builds a more broader foundation. And in the event of an economic downturn, hopefully that will help sustain the company. With that, we had added a handyman department, and then we, we bought a real estate company and then two roofing companies. And the idea be, behind handyman, which I'm glad we did that because when, when COVID hit, you know, we were able to really deploy our handyman team and still drive work for the company because here, you know, construction was an essential service that was needed. And so we were able to keep that going. The roofing, you know, that's a needed product or service, you know, and I mean, whether we're in good economic times or bad economic times, it still rains and people still need roofs. And so that was the concept behind that. The real estate purchase that was actually what we bought was a business that was doing real estate sales, property management and leasing within a small condo community. Community has about 395 units. And the the idea there was we can get into the real estate business, we can operate a business within that community, and that'll give us some time to figure out where we truly want to go with it. 
But then also I look at it as 395 opportunities for remodeling work or handyman services. It was kind of more of a vertical movement, I guess, yeah. to be able to broaden our services to that community. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I'm curious, what do you wish you would have known like in 2001, 2002, somewhere in that like time frame that you know now? A few things. One is I wish I would have truly studied up on the financials of businesses and actually learned what that means for the company. You know, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. I mean, that's huge. You know, and then to ensure that we're hitting our margins, our GPs where it needs to be, our bottom lines where it needs to be, and then being able to have cash flow projections. And I think that was some of why we got in trouble. We probably didn't have some of the proper cash flow projections in place. What are some other things? Oh, geez, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have a real good answer for you. Cash is king, hmm. you know, and typically cash can help carry through a downturn. I, I will say my dad has been very, very experienced in business. And, you know, we've been able to lean on him very, very heavily. And I guess I would probably... To answer your question more directly, I would have leaned on him heavier back in 2001 Mm. all the way through 2012 because I did lean very heavily on him. And when I was struggling with something in 2012 forward, I I would go to him for advice. And he would ask me questions and ultimately we'd come to options or solutions or options for solutions. And then I'd go make decisions and we'd drive forward again. Yeah, yeah. That's so utilizing cool. the resources around us, I think, are, are key. Yeah, I know it's a funny thing. I've been in moments like that too, where for some reason we feel like we should know the answer, or we can figure it out, and then you know sometimes the answer is just like a quick conversation here, or like a, a book, or a resource, or a coach here, or there, and you know for whatever reason we don't take it. <laughs> right, and it's just a different perspective. And mm-hmm. looking at something through a little bit different lens will give us the aha moment. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what do you think the next like three to five years looks like for you guys? Obviously, you just made a couple acquisitions, so I'm sure that's involved, but I'm curious like what the what the vision is. Well, we've made some recent changes. So we we have well, we promoted somebody from within to be our GM. And so I've been taking a little bit of a step back to work on all things Trayvac versus Trayvac remodeling and roofing. And so that's been helpful. And I can see me spending more time with those types of initiatives. We, we had bought an investment property in Florida a year and a half ago. We remodeled that, put it on the vacation rental market. And then we ended up selling it in April and bought another one in May. And so I could see myself get more and more involved with those types of initiatives. As far as the company itself, I think we have a strong leadership team. And I I see them getting stronger as time moves forward. And ultimately, they are truly operating the operations of the business, as opposed to me getting involved and helping to push the needle. And so that that to me is probably the most exciting thing, where I can truly work on the things that I, I, I suppose are probably grabbing more of my interest and attention. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. The, the future things that are maybe taking you guys to the next level. And, you know, once you've been in a role, uh, you're kind of maybe looking for that outside like excitement or spark of energy to keep, keep the the passion going. I, I find that happens to me too, where it's like, you get 
you get into something, you love it, and then you kind of like systematize, and you're like, okay, this is going pretty good. Like, what else, what what other cool stuff can we do? <laughs> so. Yeah, so I have to I have to caution myself, and my team has to hold me back, making sure that I don't have that shiny object syndrome going on. And so, yeah. You know, but usually, when I'm I'm going after pursuing something, I bring it back to the team, and we talk about it, and we we make sure that we're in a good place and we're comfortable with me going for whatever it is I'm going for. So. I could see myself getting more and more involved with Nary and probably Remodelers Advantage and some of the other organizations out there, you know, because I know that there are things that I wish I knew 15 years ago that I've learned in the last five, six years. So, yeah, that you can pass along. Yeah, that's cool. What do you think are like one or two big challenges that the industry is facing right now or over the next 12 to 24 months? We need, really need to be taking a good look at. I think the biggest thing is, I, I think the labor part of the industry is challenged, you know, and so I would encourage everybody in the industry to figure out how we can get more young people involved and learning and going to trade schools to, you know, it's an interest, industry that's starving for people, you know, and the, and the baby boomers, they're on their way out. And, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this, one of the largest wealth transfers happening you know, over the next five to 10 years. And so, you know, how can we embrace that? And how can we get the younger generation involved in the trades to help keep the things that we're doing today moving forward, you know, when when we're ready to hand it off to the younger generations? Yeah, I think that's a big one. Do you guys do anything around that right now? Like, do you find that you just when you're growing and you're hiring, are you finding people that have skills or are you just saying like, gosh, we got to train them from the ground up or how are you guys working with that challenge? Well, we are doing both. So, so we, we are finding skilled help, which is really, really helpful. And it's a benefit, obviously. We have some programs. We worked with um, some industry related programs to bring some people to intern in our company. There's some high schools out there. There's a program called the Crest Program. And usually in the summertime, we have at least one intern that joins our team for the summer. And that's been helpful. I have a lot of cousins. I mean, my mom and dad had 12 kids. And so they have 67 grandkids. Wow, so that's amazing. a huge pool of people to be trying to bring into the industry. I have my own kids you know, that I'm trying to get. Not, I'm not trying to bring them into the, the company or the industry, but I'm, I'm creating or hoping I'm creating opportunities for them if they want to gravitate in. We hire a lot of just remodeling assistants with the hopes and goals that we can train them into being carpenters, project managers, supers, lead carpenters. And so we have programs within the company. That makes sense. Yeah. Kind of attack it from every angle that you can. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And then we're heavily involved in NARI, you know, so we subscribe to a lot of their programs. I'm a certified remodeler. I'm a certified kitchen and bath remodeler. There's several on our team that we've put through their CKBR programs and their project management programs. You know, and so we're trying to continuously reinforce uh, the professionalism in the industry because I think if we can do that industry wide, that'll make more and more of the younger generation want to gravitate to the industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Vaughn, I got a couple more questions to wrap us up. One is kind of a fun one. And then one is, I don't know, it's it's interesting, but I will maybe not put it in the fun category. So any like crazy client stories or wacky projects or super interesting projects that, that you guys have worked on that are coming to mind that you could share with us? 
Hmm. Well, I, I guess the one that comes to mind is that we did a large koi pond within a house in Prescott. Wow. It was in a magazine and that was, that was many, many years ago. And so it, we could have probably leveraged that story better, but we didn't because we just didn't know how to. But that was awesome. We went in there and put in kind of the foundation components of the, the water feature, and then they built the house around it. And then we came back in and, and finished the project. So that's cool. That was, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Not something you do every day, right? <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. Cool. Well, my final question is just, you know, hundreds of other remodelers are listening to this. So any like final words of wisdom or piece of advice that you want to leave everyone with? Yeah, I think final words of wisdom, something I did a few years back, I created a leadership team on my team. And that has been very, very impactful for me. And it has enabled me to step slightly away from the company to work on the company versus always being in the day-to-day weeds of the company. And so having that leadership team helps me as a business owner from becoming lonely I guess, and being the only one that's trying to push the initiatives because the team, the leadership team, you know, it helps create buy-in and then you have more people that are advocating for, for the initiatives that you're trying to push. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. Cause it can, can be hard when you're the only driving force behind new stuff. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I love that. That's great. Well, Vaughn, thanks so much for sharing your story and carving out the time today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.